Hi, my name is Cecilia Mandrick, and I'm a life coach. I've worked with dozens of high-achieving individuals who feel in control of every aspect of their lives except their own happiness. In this podcast, I'm helping to bring self-proclaimed overachievers the practices, mindset shifts, and actionable steps they need to build more contentment, confidence, and joy in their everyday lives. If you want to create more happiness in your life, relationships, or even just your Mondays, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Created, episode 13. I'm Cecilia, your host. Today, I'm here with the baby again. So if you hear cute or annoying sounds, that's him. We're sort of a team right now. We do everything together. And today, we're going to talk about the two things that you probably do that are preventing or keeping happiness kind of smaller than maybe it could be in your life. Before we get started, I just wanted to check in. How's everyone doing? I recorded so many of these episodes before the baby came that it felt like I was really out of sync. And now I'm recording closer to real time. So I feel a little bit closer to you. And I've heard from some of you, which I always love. So feel free to send me a note or an email. So yeah, how's it going? It's fall in Northern Hemisphere. Our family, we carved pumpkins for the first time, which my toddler really loved. Nobody got injured. I remember as a kid, I feel like every time we carved them, somebody got hurt or cut. And then we all got sick because life is 50-50, right? So we had some really great things. We celebrated one month with the new baby and we carved the pumpkins and we all came down with, with an illness, which wasn't very fun. It was also a really nice reminder of how nice it is to not be sick. I don't get sick very often. So it was a, a nice reminder of that. So let's get to the episode. So the two things that most of us do that keeps us stuck exactly where we are and prevents us from finding the happiness that we want. And these two things manifest in different ways for different people. I'm going to try and use some examples today that hopefully will be relevant to most people. But almost everyone I've worked with, or I'll say everyone that I've worked with, does these things. And we all do them. And I think we all do them because we've never been taught otherwise. We've never been given the knowledge or the skills to do anything different. So don't judge yourself or shame yourself for doing them. Know that they're totally normal. But that if you can shift them, that it will make a really big difference in your life. Um, last week, I shared my part of my coaching philosophy or major part of my coaching philosophy, that the quality of the relationship you have with yourself is the foundation for everything else you create in your life. And that your self-concept is the driver of what you think, believe, and do. And these are tied into this. And I'll try and work that in a little bit just to help you understand how your thoughts and beliefs kind of create your self-concept and even emotions. So the two things, which I can't believe I haven't shared until now, but because we're already a little bit into the episode, are engaging with thoughts and beliefs that don't serve you. That's the first one. And the second one is being unwilling to feel certain feelings. So you're probably not totally surprised by those, but I want to explore them because they are so important and they show up in so many different ways. Okay, so let's look at the first one. First one first, as my toddler says, first things first. All right, so engaging with thoughts and beliefs that don't serve you. This one is interesting because so many of the thoughts that we think every day feel like truths. Right? I had this whole episode on don't believe everything your brain tells you because so much of what we tell ourselves or report to ourselves are things that we've just picked up over time. They're things that we've reported over and over again. So they are practiced neural pathways, but they are not the truth of the universe. And these thoughts that we pick up, these beliefs, so a belief is just a thought we've thought over and over again. 
And when we think them over and over again, they become incorporated into our self-concept. They become what we automatically say or think to ourselves in any situation, and they become what we think about ourselves and the world around us, which then kind of creates that reality over and over again, if that makes sense. So if we believe that we are always late, we always kind of end up being late because we have that belief. If we believe that, yeah, maybe that's the best one, the the easiest one to, to access. I mean, the things that we might tell ourselves, gosh, there's so many, but if you might tell yourself, I'm not athletic or I am athletic, you may say that I'm bad at art or I'm not creative. You might say that you're great at math or I'm a terrible writer. You might say things about your body, like my hair is too thin or my legs are too thick or I'm too round or I'm too thin or my nose is too big. I never get promoted or maybe even I always get promoted because we can have the opposite belief, right? I'm not lucky, or things always work out in my favor. Have you noticed that people who believe they're not lucky never seem to be lucky? People who believe things always work out in their favor just tends to happen, or they tend to see things that way. Another one is, I'm a perfectionist, I'm an introvert, I'm not good with people. So we can say so many things to ourselves, and they become who we are. So it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in many ways, or this cycle that we go through. And as I mentioned in other episodes, and I mentioned, I think, earlier today, is all of these facts feel like truths. And we have them about ourselves, all the ones that I just went through. We have them about the world, people around us, different situations, like a situation being good or bad or hard. And so thoughts and beliefs that feel like facts can become really ingrained and reflexive so that it's really difficult to even notice them. So one that's particularly prevalent in our society and with people is there's not enough time or I don't have enough time. And think about that for a minute. It probably feels true for you. For most people, when you interact with them, when you ask them how you're doing, they might reflexively just say, I'm busy. When you meet them at work, they might say, I just don't have enough time. There's not enough time in the day. And it feels really true. You're busy, your calendar is full, your to-do list is never completed, or maybe it's always completed at the expense of your health. And so it really feels like there isn't enough time. And it doesn't even matter if it's true. It feels like the news and it feels true to you. But that's not what we're getting to. We're not calling up a truth committee and asking, is it true that there's not enough time in the day? And what can we do about it? We're asking, does it serve me? So does the statement, there's not enough time or I don't have enough time, does it actually serve me in my life? So I'm going to ask you, I mean, if you're not driving, or you can pause, or maybe even while you're driving, you can you can do this exercise. Check in with your body. How does it feel when you tell yourself, I don't have enough time? I mean, for most of us, there's maybe a tightness or a racing feeling in your body, maybe even an anxiousness. Or alternatively, there could be like a heaviness in your body, kind of like a despondence, like there's no way I'm going to get it done, so why even start? And so if you think about those two things, if you're acting from despondence or anxiousness, it's usually not very helpful. If you're acting from despondence, you might not do anything. You might just sit on the couch, play on your phone, watch TV, and then at the end of the day, you haven't done anything. And there hasn't been enough time to do the things you want to do because you haven't used it. Or if you feel really anxious, you might rush around multitasking and it might feel like you can't concentrate on any one thing. You never get anything done. So you start 10 tasks, but never finish any. And the whole time you're confirming the fact that you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to do what you wanted to do that day. We create this reality for ourselves with this statement. And so until we challenge the news reporter within us, we're going to keep repeating that story and we're going to keep repeating that reality. We may even have trouble even seeing the challengeability, if that's a word, 
of the statement, there isn't enough time, which again can be why working with someone can be so helpful. Somebody else can see the story that you're telling yourself because we have trouble seeing it. So I think that that's really interesting because you can also tell yourself, I have all the time in the world or I have enough time to do what I need to do. And that feels so much different in most of our bodies. And if you have a calendar, if you have, you know, your priorities, you can actually look at what you can accomplish within one day and probably do that if you're getting more realistic about it. And so it's not whether the story there's enough time is true. It's whether it's serving you. And if you start to choose thoughts that serve you, you start to show up in a different way. And those stories you have about yourself, like perhaps I'm always late, start to shift. So your self-concept starts to shift when you start to tell yourself different beliefs, when you use different thoughts. So I hope that makes sense. But there's so many examples of this. There's so many that we engage in, the storytelling that we engage in as a people, as individuals, and even as a society. And they keep us stuck doing the same things over and over again. And it's why action plans don't work. So you can get a new action plan, for instance, for how to tackle your to-do list. But if you haven't changed your thought about, I don't have enough time, this action plan is never going to work. And then at the end, we think, oh, it was the action plan. It was just a bad action plan. I should have gotten the gold or the platinum plan instead of maybe the intro plan. And then I would have, everything would have been fixed. But really, you can have the best action plan. You can have any action plan. And if you don't change the thoughts, it doesn't really matter because you're going to have the same reality. And I want to give one more example, just in case this one might resonate a little bit differently with you, in case you're not one of the busy people out there or feel like you can't get anything done within a day. Or generally, people are trying to be active and healthier. Or maybe you're a person who's trying to be active and healthier. You might not be one of those people. Maybe eat differently. And so usually we try to do this with willpower and action plans, you know, action plans and willpower with our schedule too. And we don't address our thoughts in the same way. So we don't look at the thoughts that aren't serving us. So maybe you and your friends or family ordered pizza and you're telling yourself, I'm totally cool eating pizza. Pizza is great, but I'm going to stop eating when I'm full today instead of eating maybe four slices of pizza. Usually you're full after two. The last two just taste great. And there are different ways you can go about this. You might try and just use willpower. I'm not going to address that right now. But you might also be telling yourself some things that to kind of maybe prevent yourself from eating more than than you want to. And so you might be saying like, I'm a failure for eating one slice or for eating more than one slice. You might tell yourself I'm fat and worthless. You might even tell yourself that this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I eat. And when we think those kinds of thoughts, the ones that shame and judge us, so when we're shaming and judging ourselves, We think they're going to keep us from eating too much or from doing things we don't want to do. But if you check with your body, when you tell yourself you're a failure, oftentimes that means like, okay, well then whatever, I might as well eat like all of it. Like instead of eating four slices, let's eat the entire pie. And so that's what the shame and the judgment, we don't act for our higher selves, if that's a term that resonates with you, or we don't act in accordance with our values and priorities. We only do that when we're acting from a place of love or at least self-respect. And this again goes back to the self-concept. If you see yourself as somebody who is worthy of respect, if you see yourself who you treat yourself like a loved one, like a best friend, and you don't shame and judge yourself anymore, all of a sudden your self-talk changes and it's really easy to not eat the pizza because you know that you're going to feel bad if you eat four slices. You know, tomorrow your swim is going to be too hard, things like that. So maybe that one resonated, maybe the time one did, but those are the thoughts. And that's being able to look at the thoughts and the stories you tell yourself, the beliefs you have. And when I say story, I don't mean that you're 
intentionally lying to yourself. I just mean that we each have a narrative that we use with ourselves and we use it over and over again. And so it is our story. And those are the thoughts and beliefs that we're repeating that create our reality, create the feelings that we feel all the time, create the actions that we engage with. So the second thing that most of us do that keeps us stuck is being unwilling to feel feelings. And usually it's really specific feelings. Like most of us, if we think about it, we're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm willing to feel happy or joyful or at peace, even though in reality, sometimes those can be pretty tough too. But we don't like to feel other feelings. Just to review, our thoughts create our feelings. And feelings for most of us are this big, scary ocean. So we think that if we have to feel a feeling like fear, that it might swallow us whole and we might never make it to the other side. We might never get out of that ocean. And so we like to avoid it altogether or buffer from it. We've learned this from adults in our life, usually when we were younger, because they weren't comfortable with our feelings. So we felt like if they couldn't handle them, we wouldn't be able to handle them. So again, this isn't, you don't need to shame or judge yourself if you do this, because most of us do, and it's just something that you learned, and it's something you can unlearn. So I think maybe an obligation example might be helpful here. Let's say there's something that someone has asked you to do. So maybe it's an extra task at work, or something around the house, or maybe something at your kid's school. So try and find something that is relevant or resonates with you. I'm going to use the work example, because I think maybe that will be helpful for most people. So you're at work, and you're already busy, because you're telling yourself there isn't enough time. So you're feeling pretty stressed and your day is totally full. You don't have a lot of extra time. And then your boss asks, can you edit this presentation for a partner meeting in two days? And maybe it's not one of your normal tasks. You know that it's going to take a decent amount of time to actually edit this presentation and make sure that it's great. And you're already so busy. So you want to say no. Your inclination is to say no to this extra project. I mean, let's make it a request, right? It's your boss hasn't said like, this is, you have to do this kind of thing. They're asking, do you have time to do this? So you want to say no, because really you feel like you don't have time to do this. But saying no means you have to listen to your brain. It means you have to feel feelings. And your brain is probably saying, you're a disappointment if you say no, which maybe brings up feelings of shame. You, your brain might say, a good employee wouldn't say no, which maybe brings up feelings of inadequacy. Your brain might say, you'll never get a promotion if you say no, which brings up anxiety. Your brain might say, if you say no, you'll get fired, which brings up fear. And while those thoughts aren't serving you, you don't have that awareness yet. So you don't have the ability to notice them and maybe think things differently. But you do think, or maybe you don't think intentionally, but your brain says, I don't want to feel fear, anxiousness, inadequacy, and shame. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I'm going to avoid those feelings and put myself in a place where maybe I have to work late. Maybe I have to cancel that thing that I wanted to do with friends after work. Maybe I have to work this weekend, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving up my softball game this evening because I don't want to feel the feelings of fear and anxiousness. And this is a really interesting one for your self-concept because you start to send your message that you're not trustworthy to yourself. You also start to say that this message that you're not capable or you're not able to feel feelings to yourself. And it creates this, again, this loop where you then, the feelings become even scarier and you have even more resistance to them. And as we've talked about in other episodes, not here, anytime you have resistance to feelings, anytime you kind of avoid them or ignore them, they get bigger. And so here you're just avoiding them, right? You're saying like, I'm not going to feel them. I'm going to say yes. But that fear, anxiousness, inadequacy, and shame don't go anywhere because you haven't actually felt them. So they sort of pile up within your nervous system and in your body, which can cause 
all kinds of things. And I'm not going to get into them here, but your body stores those because you haven't actually dealt with them. So even though you feel like, ah, I've tricked you brain, I've just said yes. And now we don't have to feel these feelings. Your body says, but we're still feeling them because you didn't actually go through the process of completing that cycle. And again, I think it's really important to note that those feelings that are created by those thoughts are entirely feelable. Feelings are just sensations in your body, even though they're really uncomfortable. So sitting with fear can be really uncomfortable. Sitting with shame can be really uncomfortable. But you as a person have the capacity, especially if you're a person listening to this podcast, you have the capacity to create, intentionally create safety for your nervous system, to create safety for your body and feel the feelings. It's not going to be comfortable and it might not be easy, but it is a relatively simple process. And I promise that it's something you can do because I've worked with lots of people on how to do these things. And I will say that once you are able to feel feelings, once you're able to sit with anxiety or that inadequacy and actually just be with them and notice the thoughts, it's a superpower. It will set you free to feel your feelings. This is something that we should be teaching everybody because it's so important. But again, it's just not something that shows up on our radar. Another time that we try and avoid feelings, which is very common for most of us, is the stress and frustration and maybe even sadness that we ignore every time we look for happiness or we buffer from every time we look for happiness or entertainment somewhere else. So every time you look for happiness in a glass of wine or a TV show, every time you just mindlessly open social media to escape whatever you're feeling in that moment, you are buffering and you're saying that I don't want to feel these feelings. I don't want to be present in my life. So you don't want to feel the feelings. You're trading presence for the discomfort of that one thing that's come up. When you can feel the real feelings, you can start to become aware of where they come from and then change your thoughts and perhaps the situation if you want to. So again, if you become aware of the feelings, so perhaps you notice that you're feeling really frustrated every single morning. And once you become aware of the frustration, you can say, okay, what's causing this frustration? And maybe the frustration is the thought like, I just want the morning to be peaceful but you have three kids and you're trying to get everybody to a different school and pack their lunches and make breakfast for you and maybe chat with your partner, read the news. And really your mornings are just never going to be peaceful. And so you can understand that the thought that's causing the frustration isn't serving you. And maybe your thought can then be like, this is how mornings are and I've got this. And maybe that undoes the frustration. So once you can start to feel the frustration, you can start to engage with what else is causing it so that you can start to shift it. So that's how not feeling your feelings keeps you stuck. If you don't feel the frustration, if you just try and avoid it by opening your phone, you never get to know what's causing it and you never get to shift that. And so you're just in the same cycle and you create the same morning frustration over and over again. So when you can feel the real feelings, you can become aware of where they come from. You can change your thoughts and situations if you'd like to. All right, so those are the two things that you're probably doing. They're probably, again, because most people do them to some extent. And they're things that I address with my one-to-one clients and in the coaching group that's starting in a few weeks. And it's so amazing to watch. I mean, I watched myself change because I've done this work too. And I watch myself continue to change and to watch all my clients transform as they gain awareness of the thoughts and increase their ability to feel discomfort or feel those hard feelings, to be with them, to learn that they're not as scary as maybe we think they are. All right. I hope this was helpful. Thanks so much for listening. As always, send me a note or call with comments or suggestions. I love hearing from 
from you. If you really love this podcast, maybe also share it with somebody if you want to. You don't have to. But if it's been helpful for you, if you found it entertaining or maybe relevant to your life, maybe pass it on to a friend. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for another way to bring a little bit of joy into your life, I have just the thing for you. My Feel Your Feelings mini course is designed to help you develop emotional literacy and increase your emotional resilience. It's totally free and available for you by going to Cecilia, that's C-E-C-E-L-I-A-B Mandrick, M-A-N-D-R-Y-K.com forward slash free training. I just know you're going to love it. We'll see you back here next week on Happiness Created. See you then. Here's a quick reminder to follow this podcast so you can get your weekly dose of happy delivered right to the top of your favorite podcast app. All you need to do is open the Apple Podcast or Spotify app on your phone, search for Happiness Created, click on the show, and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll meet you back here next week.